welcome back to another episode of The Insatiable Woman. Today, Caitlin and I want to talk about sisterhood and the sisterhood wound. And we have a lot to share with you from our past experiences to our current experience and the healing that we did this weekend as we met for the first time in person. Yes, I'm so excited to go into this. Uh, This is something that we've kind of known was going to come up because... Uh, we've been building this friendship for years um, and we just recently had the opportunity to meet when we're on the same side of the country again. So we're both really excited about this and this is something kind of outside of what we're used to talking about. So this will be fun. Absolutely. And this ties into the feminine because when you have feminine wounds and you have blocks to surrendering and trusting, then it's going to be hard for you to be in a friendship that is very reciprocal and just giving and loving and you're going to find yourself often in, in the giver position of you're going to give and give and give and over give and find people who just want to take from you. And that's definitely been my pattern. So I'll start by diving in with my examples of friendship for me going way back. I I remember when I was a little kid and I don't have a lot of memories of my childhood. I remember in kindergarten and then like elementary school, I had two quote unquote best friends. Like you just kind of get hooked up with people and you call them your best friends. So I had these two best friends. So it was the three of us. Um, I remember being very guarded, even at that age, like my, those girls never came over to my house. Nobody came over to my house, mostly because of the the chaos and the dysfunction that was happening there. Um, but they didn't know anything about me. I remember not just having it all be about them and we would, we would play make believe and we would play with, you know, dolls or whatever, but it was never uh, any, like, I felt like they didn't really know who I was. And I put up with a lot. I remember in elementary school, one of those girls would kick my shins for no real reason. Like she just decided she was mad at me and she would just kick me in the shins and it hurt, it hurt really bad. And I never really stopped her. Like maybe I would move my, I would try to like move my legs, but then she would find me. She would find a way to kick me more. And I let it happen. I let it happen for all of those years until at the age of 12, my, the one of the girls moved away. And I um, decided at that point that the other one that was left, I was going to just disconnect myself from her because I saw as we were going into middle school, she started to get into a a crowd that was into like drugs and just bad stuff. And I decided I just, I'm going to cut the cord. And so I wrote her this letter. I just completely cut her off. And that was the beginning of a pattern for me where I would just cut people, cut women out of my life. If I made a friend and they weren't living up to my standards, I would just cut them out. And it was really a painful pattern that I had for a long time. I have more to share on that, but Caitlin, do you remember what your pattern was like in elementary school with friendships? Um, In elementary school, I actually was pretty good with friendships. I had good friendships. And my pattern kind of got bad when in like sixth grade, we moved. We moved like pretty far away. So it was like all my friends I made were just like gone. And like, you know, when you're like 12, you don't go see them for like 45 minutes away, you know? So I was like, oh, okay. Well, that was fun. So then, you know, I get to a new school and I have to make like new friends. And when you move schools at a young age, 
at least from my experience, it was hard because they had already had like their own childhood friends and stuff. And I'm like, I didn't really fit in with like new, I had to like kind of make my way into new friend groups. And like, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't know how to do that. Um, cause I was a child, but yeah, so that's where it kind of got like weird for me and started to shift my pattern. Okay. And I wonder how much of that was role modeling. So when I think of my mother and her relationships uh, with women, I remember her not having any, like her really having a lack of friendships. And some of that comes down to what we were living with, with my father, with him being very controlling and restricting her, her contact with people. And he even restricted her contact with family. So, So I think a lot of her uh, innate behavior was kind of masked by that, by her limitations in the marriage that she was in. But beyond that, I think that she innately didn't know how to connect. I think that witnessing her, um, she would, she did at one point have sort of a best friend and it was, but just one, like she didn't have a circle of friends. It was just one person who she had met at one of her jobs Um, and they became really, really close and they spent a lot of time together. And I think that was kind of how I approached friendships was if, if you're going to have a friend, have one person who you can really, really trust. And you're going to like, you're going to give them everything. You're going to, you're going to dump all of your feelings into this one person and you're going to be, it's very codependent. It's like you complete me. Um, I, I, I have like all, all of my needs I'm going to give to you to meet and vice versa. And I'm going to be available for you any time of day, night or day. And, and if, if you're not available for me night or day, then that means that you're not my friend. And that means that we're done and over. So I would witness her go through cycles with this one woman over the course of years where they would be thick as thieves and then something would happen and they would be, um, not talking. Like my mom would even be like, I'm, she's done. I'm, I'm done with her. Like it's over chapter closed, almost like a makeup breakup kind of cycle, like with, with a romantic partner. That's so stressful. It was, I mean, I'm sure it was for her and witnessing it was also stressful as a child. And she had a little bit of that same relationship with her mother, my grandmother. Um, and I saw the way that she would be very all or nothing with that relationship too. So I I imagine that I inherited that pattern from uh, generations past of like kind of all or nothing with your mom. Like you have to be so available for your mom texting all day long. I mean, nowadays, but back then it would be phone calls, you know, calling multiple times a day, um, attached to the hip. You've got to tell your mom everything. And then she tells you everything. And that is a very codependent, pattern. So for me, when I, when I became a teenager and then in my early twenties, that, that pattern that I saw in my mom, I definitely emulated, but it wasn't really until more of my early twenties. Cause in my teens, I was really focused on just dating. So I was I was, I, but I was doing it with men. I was like all or nothing with men. And then eventually I started to open up and try to have some female friendships. And I was very all or nothing with them. I remember in college, I met a couple of women 
and um, became pretty close friends with them. But it, it was maybe a year or so in when I think I might've finally expressed a need. Like I, my pattern was to give, 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 give. And then like one day I would ask for something. And I think I asked, I think I asked this woman to help me move. I was moving apartments or something. I think I asked her for some help in moving and she wasn't available. And I, I just thought she was making up an excuse because I knew she was off work that day, but she had some plan, you know, she made up, she made up an excuse. I don't know if it was valid, but in my mind at the time I wrote her off. I was like, I can't believe that I've given you so much. And the one time I asked for help, you can't be there for me. And I was so wounded by that, that I ended the friendship and it, to this day, I've not talked to her. It's, it's been, it's been over. And I don't think that we were meant to really be friends. I think that her, you know, she had a lot of work to do. I had a lot of work to do. And I don't, I don't have any goal of like rekindling with her, but it was um, definitely a behavior of mine that was very, very wounded. Like the giving, the overgiving was totally tied to this expectation, this expectation of you've got to, you've got to give back to me. I'm very excited to announce that the podcast is now sponsored by the Magnetic Feminine Intensive, Evelyn's signature program for women who want to renew their relationships and inspire more masculine energy in their partners. This is a three-month intensive that takes you deep into belief work, trauma healing, embodiment practices, and artistic intimacy to transform your relationship from one where you're just two roommates doing life together to a hot and heavy passion-filled and toe-curling experience of two people partnering together in devotional union. To learn more about this application-only experience, DM Evelyn at inner.light.healing on Instagram to see if you would be a good fit. Yeah, this is actually really interesting for me to hear because I didn't know that you like had that pattern. And like, I haven't felt that at all, obviously. Um, and I had the exact opposite pattern, <laughs> like, cause I think my avoidant style comes out more in relationships and friendships. So I feel like as time went on for me, I started to have people that like felt that way and wanted to be like, like, so when I moved in sixth grade, there was a girl that lived down the street and she was like my best friend. And she was much more of like the, we're friends. This is like, you know, best friendship, like this is it. And I was just kind of like, like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, and I was also very, I was an only child. Like I have half siblings, but you know, I grew up an only child. So I was very much used to being alone. Um, so I was just kind of like, well, no, like, you know, so I was kind of doing it more when it was like convenient for me because I didn't understand like, being there for someone to that extent. So it was just kind of like, no, I don't feel like hanging out today, period. And it's, but like, they could like need some support. And I'm like, but I don't, I don't want to. So like, I don't understand why I would do that. And like, I just, I didn't get it. Um, and then, so, okay. I guess like in elementary school, my school friends were good, but I did have a friend growing up. She was my best friend. Um, she, I'm used to being like, Okay. So now that I'm saying this stuff out loud, I'm like, oh my God, my <laughs> patterns with friendships are the same as my patterns of men. So anyway, um, are they kind of like, I'm oh. definitely noticing some similarities. So I oh, had this wow. friend, she was like my best friend. Um, and then 
because I met her through like, she was my mom's friend's daughter. So they, something happened with like her parents were getting a divorce or something. And my mom had said something like, oh, so no, she had sided with her dad in the divorce. And because like her mom was best friends with my mom. And like, that was how we like knew and associated. She like, I, I don't know if there was like maybe some misunderstanding or something, but she completely just like ghosted me. Like, and I was devastated because she was, because I moved so much as a kid, she was like a constant because she, like our parents were friends. We were always together. And like through all the towns I lived in, she'd been to all my houses. Like, you know, she was like a constant for me and she just like straight ghosted me. And I like as a teenager and I was like, what the fuck is this? I was like devastated. Mm -hmm. Um, and then later the friend that I made that lived down the street from me, um, this is where my pattern gets messy with like when there are men involved. Um, I, she were, again, we're in like seventh grade when I moved there, she had this massive crush on this guy. And then, um, like after I lived there for a year, I started in like eighth or ninth grade, you know, um, I started dating him and she like, she said it was fine and like, she didn't care or whatever. And then she started a rumor that I was pregnant and I was a virgin until like my senior year of high school. So that was, that was devastating. Like finding out your like best friend did that. And like, yeah. So I had like, I have like massive betrayals out of nowhere or seemingly out of nowhere to me. Um, that was my interpretation of them anyway. Um, so yeah, mine comes from like massive betrayal. So then I started to build the pattern of like just avoidant friendship of like, mm, I don't trust you and like keeping it at arm's length. So it's very much friendship on my terms. Like when I felt like it, which wasn't often. So that's a huge betrayal to have a friend make that rumor about you, but I can see the patterns of almost hiding parts of yourself. Like it's, it sounds, and obviously when you're that young, you're not, you can't be held to the same standards that you are held in adulthood, but mm -hmm. it sounds like at that point in your life, you maybe like dated, maybe you shouldn't have dated him. Like maybe yeah. you should have said to her beforehand, like, Hey, I kind of want to date him. How do you feel about it? Maybe you should have had a conversation, but at that age, you didn't have those skills and you just did it. And, and yeah. And you know, it wasn't even like, I couldn't even fathom doing something like that because at that time I was just like, oh, male attention, <laughs> like lay it on me. And like, he was like, you know, popular and cute and stuff and like all that. So I was just like, I could give a shit about what anyone else thinks. I am so doing this. Like I, it was almost like, that's where my need for like love came in and like totally overrode any loyalty that I had in a friendship. And I was like, all right, peace out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That makes me want to talk about trust and do we trust women? And I, for me, I did not trust women. I, I didn't trust men either, but I wasn't looking for friendship from men. So it didn't really relate. I was looking for love and rom romance and all of that for men from, for women. I did not trust women. And I think it goes back to witnessing my mother's patterns as the other side of a friendship. Like you can see how your mother talks about her friends. You can see how she talks about her mother. And there's this two-faced energy that comes in for a lot of women of like, 
on the one hand, you witness the, you witness the phone call, right? My, I I would witness my mother on the phone with her mother, my grandmother, and she would be acting one way. And then she'd get off the phone and she'd go, Oh God, I, she just won't stop calling me. And I, I guess I internalized that and thought that that was normal. And that, that became a pattern for me of like, don't really express how I really feel, which is, I don't want to talk right now. I'm tired. Or like my mom, I would, even, even as a kid, I remember asking myself, why is my mom answering the phone if she's tired and doesn't want to talk? Why is she constantly answering? Why does she answer the phone every single time her mom calls? And you know, obviously there's reasons for that, like a lot of wounds for that, but that was what I witnessed. And so I didn't inherently, I didn't really trust women because I thought all women were going to be two faced like that. Like I couldn't trust what they said to my face because I knew that my mother was never going to say to my grandmother's face, how she really felt. Hmm. That's really interesting. I've never thought about, like, I guess I haven't really thought about uh, what my mom's friendships were like growing up and like how that may have impacted that, but I could totally see why you thought that. And like, that's where kind of learning to betray your needs is taught too, or you're like for friends, you betray what you feel and you just do what they need. And like, that kind of creates that codependent, like, okay, I just give, even if I don't want to. And then here I am on empty and resentful and yeah. mad. Yeah. That's so interesting. And the bond of trust that you have with someone whether they are aware of you talking about them behind your back or not, it's that that bond is broken when you, when you do go and talk about them behind their back. Like it's, it's one thing to, you know, like if, if I were to say to somebody else, um, you know, Kate, this is like the nature of Caitlin and my friendship. And here, here are some things about it. That's not talking behind your back. Talking behind your back is saying, things that I really feel about you that I don't want to say to you. Mm-hmm. And that's really where I think that distrust of the feminine came in for me was not trusting the feminine to be open and honest with me and basically expecting all feminine essence beings, all women to uh, be in that pretty toxic, immature feminine energy where you hide and you suppress and you people please and, um, the true you is so hidden behind a mask. You'd never really know what's authentic. That's so true. And when you and I were talking the other day about this, I remember, I wish I could remember exactly what I said in the context, but I remember saying like, you know, I've, I've had friends growing up, but then I was like, well, Caitlin didn't have friends growing up. Caitlin's curated personalities had friends growing up because I can't, really say that like any of those friendships were actually like me they I was like either me mirroring or me people pleasing or me like putting on like a front or uh, whether it was a protection or just something that because I I was taught at a young age that like my personality like wasn't lovable which I'm sure to some extent everybody listening to this can identify with that whether it was one small aspect or something but you know, when you have a distance with a parent, um, you think it's like something innately about you. So you're trained to kind of be different or disown parts or quiet parts or 
anything like that. So when you're growing up and learning how to navigate friendships, it's almost like you're trying on different identities to see which one is like received, reciprocated and loved. So, you know, like the ditzy, like airhead version of me, I tried on for like three years, had a couple friends and like, you know, just all these different flavors that weren't actually me. Yeah. All because you probably didn't feel safe being your authentic self. No. Cause I was like, Oh, when I'm my authentic self, like people are annoyed and then they leave. Like, so I'm not going to, won't do that again. I know. That's so sad too, because if you could go back and talk to her and show her that she's loved and beautiful, then she wouldn't have had to do all that. Um, but it's interesting how as, as women, we want so much to be seen and we want to be, we want to connect like connection is that like deep, deep desire for almost all of us, yet we hide ourselves. And so it's funny how we go into partnerships with men and we, we want to be seen by him and we want to connect with him. And yet we're not actually opening up in our female friendships. We're not letting ourselves be seen and we're not letting ourselves um, show up with all parts of ourselves there. So why is it that we go into man, like, why are we sort of only seeking it in this one area? Cause it's, it goes across the board. We can be seen and connect with anybody if we really practice. Yes. And you know, that's where that codependency comes in, in relationships, because I remember like when I first started with like awakening and spirituality and everything, I was like, ah, my partner doesn't, we can't talk about yoga for seven hours. And like, we can't like dive into astrology and like human design. And like, you know, you do all that because you're, you haven't opened up in like female friendships. So you're expecting every single part of you to be met by one partner. And that is an enormous amount of pressure to put on one person. That's a very high expectation. So now in dating, I realize I'm like, oh, okay, he can meet me here, here, and here. And then like this witchy, whatever side, like, is he going to witness it? And like, maybe think it's cute. Sure. Are we going to talk about it for seven hours? No, we're not. And I'm okay with sourcing that from outside of the relationship. And that's how you can truly fill and be met is by having those friendships. So it really is a sabotaging of the relationship as well. When we don't make female friendships a priority. Absolutely. So I'll talk about my turning point and how I started to shift I would say back in 2013, 2014 was when I really started to try to cultivate more female friendships. So it's been about an eight uh, year journey for me because prior to that, I, I don't know if I um, really had any hope. I think I had just given up hope. Like I had my husband at the time, my partner, and I had my career and I was also had been very focused on like grad school prior to that. So I spent, I'd say most of my like mid twenties into my thirties feeling like I don't even need female friendships. Like I'm going to focus on my career and and my relationship and that's it. But when I turned 30, I don't think it was the day I turned 30, but it was something around that time that I felt like, okay, you know, what would make my life more feel more complete is to have to cultivate more female friendships. So I remember I was talking with my therapist and I was kind of complaining 
I can't find anybody that, you know, I can't find anybody here in this town. I can't, can't make friends here. And I would be really just kind of discouraged because I, I was looking for, I don't know, I was looking for like a flashing neon sign saying, this is, this is the woman, like she's the one. And I don't know what I was looking for, but I wasn't finding it. And I had really high expectations of what she would be like. And I thought that she needed to fit into like this very, you know, clear cut package of, I think at the time, I'm trying to go back and remember what I was looking for. Um, probably somebody who was, you know, very open-minded, like liberally, um, probably like a healthy eater, trying to think of how I was back then, basically just like me, a carbon copy of me. I was looking for that and I wasn't finding it. And somebody who was also very self-aware doing their work and I wasn't finding that. And then I made friends with a woman at work and she was a little bit younger than me, but we were, we were having good conversations and uh, she wasn't, she wasn't exactly what I was looking for, but I said, you know what, like this is, I still really enjoy this friendship. So from that point forward, I, I like, decided I'm going to try to cultivate this friendship with her. I'm just going to try to see where this goes. And she is literally like my oldest friend now. Like I've been friends with her since 2013. Um, her name is Emily and we've been through so much together that it's, it's incredible. Like we've, we've had some really serious talks about how we show up for each other in our friendship and what we're, what needs are not getting met, how we trigger each other um, it's really just the same skills that you apply to your romantic relationship applied to your friendship and every step of the way, it's been terrifying. It's been terrifying to have conversations about, you know what, when you joke with me about that, that really hurts my feelings. I don't like that. That hurts. And to be received and then to have, have it go both ways and know that we're both going to stick around for each other despite that is completely healing like that, that, that relationship has really healed my sister wounds. And I now have that as like my standard of, okay, I have a friendship like this. Now, every other relationship, I'm going to bring those same behaviors to openness. And I'm going to not shy away from hard conversations. And if the person, if the woman that I'm trying to be friends with can't uh, meet me there, then maybe she's not really right for me, or maybe that friendship will just, it just won't become as close. It's not to say I cut people out. I have a, now I have a pretty big friend circle, like way bigger than I ever imagined I would. And I see it more now as people kind of coming and going on their own journey. And there've been women who have come along who I never imagined that they would open up never. And then little by little years later, something changed and they opened up and and now we can have like a closer connection. But my old belief was make a decision right away. Like you're in or you're out, <laughs> you're on the team or you're off the team. Now I'm like, you know what? Anybody can be on the team any, at any point. It's just a matter of being open to their journey and where they're at. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's exactly it. And like just acceptance and like giving that gift of unconditional love and like acceptance for where they are on the journey and like whatever season they'll 
participate in with you for however long and like, you know, releasing the expect and that's what like unconditional love it's, you know, it's loving without expectations. Like, okay, you may be my friend for like six months. You may be my friend for 17 years. Like I don't need you to sign a contract before we can like engage in friendship, you know, let it take whatever course it's meant to, um, without that pressure of like, look, you need to be like my next best friend or else. Yeah. But just like in a romantic relationship, you know, Caitlin and I, we're always talking about how you need to go first. You need to be vulnerable first. It goes the same way with friendship. I mean, it would be great if your all your female friends would open up first and do their self-growth first, but you're here listening to this and they're not, I mean, or maybe you're both listening to it, which is awesome, but chances are you're listening to this, wanting to know more about friendship and sisterhood and how to heal. And so my advice is to go first, just to really open up and be vulnerable in the same way that we teach you to do that with men. And that's to do it with an open heart without pointing a finger, without interpreting how somebody meant to say something to you or how they meant something that you feel slighted by instead of trying to interpret their intention, just to say, ouch, ouch, it hurt me when this happened and then let them let them res- respond, give them space and let them respond. And um, not every time, not every person is going to be equipped to open and, and share with you. But when you open up and you share something hurts you, you are an invitation. Oh man. Even just hearing you describe that um, about like having those hard conversations and friendships. I don't know that I've done that um to be honest so even hearing that I was kind of like oh god that's scary um because my like journey to heal friendship was actually I would say you triggered it for me so like even just and just for background yeah and just for background on how we met um Evelyn and I met through Instagram in 2018 um actually yeah 2018 um like fall of 2018 and we for us, it was like a very slow, like we chatted like back and forth in DMs, you know, we like kind of hit it off. Like she was just getting into like, um, I think was it astrology or human design. And like, I was just doing something and we like exchanged readings on something like that. And it was human design. Yeah. I gave you like a birth, I gave you like a, a a chart reading. (laughs) Yes, that was it. And I did something for, I think, oh, I did astrology for you. I remember. Um, yeah. So we like had done that and like, we just started like slowly talking and it was like a slow build. And for me, I guess that was like the most nourishing thing for me because it was like, I can go all in on things a lot. So sometimes I feel like maybe I I have a pattern of doing that. But for me, it was like a slow build of like, okay, little tidbits of information and like little things I trust you with. And like, I never once felt like judged. And like, I've, I've told you things like I've never told anybody. And like, some of them are, you know, not my proudest thoughts or like experiences. And I've never once felt judged. So I think for me, it was like the slow build of like, oh my gosh, here's this human woman that I can share these like little details with and like that shares back with me. And like, I never feel judgment between us. I never feel like pressure, like performative. And I just, I think the pressure of also not being in person friends for me was really helpful because it took a lot of the pressure off. Like at that time it was like, oh, this is just kind of this person that 
I don't really know. So like if they go away, like it just is what it is. Like, it's not like somebody that I go to brunch with every Sunday that I'm going to be devastated about. It was like a slow development and slow build for me that I didn't realize at the time. This is all in retrospect, like looking back, that was actually like really healing. And that's when I started. So then I started actually making other friends. I would honestly say like last year. (laughs) Um, So for those of you listening, I live on the East coast now, but I lived in El Paso, Texas for two years. So I just moved back like six or seven months ago. And when I was there, uh, the values collectively were much different. It was a big culture shock for me and family and friendship is like major. So when I was living down there, you know, a lot more people would be like, Oh, let's do something Saturday. And I would be like, why? Like, it's just like, but my apartment, you know, and that was like such a big thing for them. So I feel like I learned a lot about family and friendship from them and like what it, and like putting an effort and like why we put in effort. Cause I've also had like a limited relationship with family up until like the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. So between you, like, and slowly opening with you and then meeting like such warm and inviting people with different values than my own. That's really what started to like have me heal and like open up to it. Yeah. I love that. I have to just go back because you said that I'm a human woman, but how do you know I'm a human woman? How do you know I'm human? You're making all sorts of assumptions about me. (laughs) And that's why we get along so well. (laughs) But that's so that's actually that touches on one thing I want to say. Hearing you describe friendship and like having my own experiences with friendship. This is where I think you and I are. I'm trying to figure out how to word this. But this is where I think that we expand like our connection is beyond like earthly friendship like I it's definitely you and I have such like a like a soul connection and like a soulmate ship to us that it just it definitely feels different to me than like other friendships I've had it's just a a different kind of experience to me you know I don't know how to put that into words oh that's so cute I love that I feel the same way I think there are some people in your life you just feel an immediate, and it wasn't actually, it wasn't immediate, but you eventually feel whether it's immediate or not of this sort of depth of like, yeah, like we're, we're, we're resonating on a similar frequency or we're kind of speaking the same language. We get each other, but at the same time, I like, I'm, I want to argue against my own point because I was talking with somebody the other day, a woman who was, I know I'm I'm like, I just basically saw a squirrel and I like decided to run after it, but I think I'm going to get to a point here. Like the whole topic of, because I know women are listening to this and women are going to, women are going to be thinking, I just want a friendship who like, she gets me. And I feel like what Caitlin just said kind of sounds like that flavor of like, yeah, we just like get each other and we just like click. But I want to argue the other point here, which is um, when you're, when you're looking for someone to just like get you, you're actually kind of being lazy. I'm not saying you're lazy, Caitlin, because that's not what you were looking for. But anybody who's listening to this and is thinking like, I'm going to find a friendship and it's just going to click and it's just going to be easy. And she's just going to get me. You might be bypassing because that's not actually how friendship works. Like Caitlin and I do click, but we've put in a lot of work and we're both coming into the friendship open enough 
that the reason that the reason that you aren't if you're not finding somebody who clicks with you it could be because you're closed you're you're so closed that nobody's going to click with you because it's almost like okay if you were a puzzle if you're a jigsaw puzzle and you just have one piece missing you've got to find that one perfect piece how is anybody going to fit into that puzzle versus if you're uh, a jigsaw puzzle and like i don't like this metaphor anymore like a lot of people a lot of pieces are missing a lot more, there's a lot more opportunity. I don't know. Someone DM us and tell us a better metaphor for this, but does that make sense? Absolutely. And let me just say like, I, all of my friendships that I have now are not all women that just get me. Like I definitely, you know, I have, and like, this is important too. Like I have friends who like, you know, follow me on Instagram, have no idea what I'm talking about or like can necessarily relate to me on that level. And are just like, oh, that's a cute recipe, you know? And that's fine too, because they're my friends that like, you know, I want to go like maybe have a bottle of wine with, or that are really into like a concert that I might like, or I don't know, that's not my thing. But if like you, it's, it's also good to have friends. Like you don't need a friend that just gets you on like every level, because sometimes you need a friend to just go like mindless shopping with too. That's also important. And that's also satiating like a certain part of you that wants to be seen and experienced too. Yeah. So it's totally cool to have friends that like, don't act like a hundred percent get you and yeah. you get to try on a different flavor of you during that friendship too. That's still authentic, but just maybe not like your resting state, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I'm glad that made sense. I feel like I just followed that squirrel off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I got you off that cliff. I, I was like, where are we going? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so I want to touch on how culture teaches women to be in friendship. And I think in a lot of movies and TV shows, women are seen as very catty and we're seen as like kind of clumping together in like social groups for power, for social power and, um, just status. And I don't know, um, to like, to fit in and feel good about ourselves. And that reinforces the sisterhood wound because you're either in or you're out. You're always judging yourself based on, am I in the group or am I out of the group? And thankfully I haven't been, I haven't been hurt too much by that wound because probably because I've opted out. I've, I've in general opted out of groups of female friends, but there have been times where I have, um, I don't know if the word is accidentally, but like almost just inadvertently found myself in a group of friends. So I'll, I'll share this example. Uh, when I was married, my ex-husband had a a best friend from college and and his best friend was married. And so I sort of inherited her as a friend and then I inherited her friend group. And all of a sudden I found myself in a clique and in like a group of female friends who were very hive minded. Hopefully none of them listened to this podcast because <laughs> I think this would be probably pretty hurtful to them, but um, none of them are bad people, but they were very, very, uh, yeah, very hive minded for in, in my experience. Now this was years ago, so they may have changed now, but the, um, experience that I had was anytime I shared something that wasn't the flavor that they wanted to hear the, the energy that they wanted, I was the black sheep. Like I wouldn't be responded to the way the other girls would be responded to. I didn't, 
I didn't fit the the mold. I was always the one that was like asking weird questions or um, just being different. And therefore I got less attention, less praise, um, less overall like care and nurturing because I was different. And that sucked. Like that hurt me and um, made me feel judged and just overall, like, I don't even want to be a part of this group, but I know there's a lot of women out there who will, that will motivate them to be more like the group. I'm very uh, rebellious. So I was like, no, fuck this. Um, And I ended up leaving the group. I actually had a, a, a talk with the, um, the, the main, it sounds like a cult. It wasn't a cult, but like the leader, I don't know. Uh, the, the, the main lady, I talked with her, um, because I had said something sort of in, inflammatory without getting into it. I, I didn't say anything mean, but I said something that was very much against the group's ideology and I knew it. And, and I got sort of attacked by the group saying like, you shouldn't say things like that. And so I ended up having a conversation with the, the head lady, about all this. This sounds so cultish, but it's really not. <laughs> um, it was really just about like alternative healthcare. And I was like, I, I believe in alternative healthcare. And they were like, no science. Um, but anyway, we had this conversation and um, it, it, it just didn't really go anywhere. And, and so I decided to like leave the group and just not be, not be a part of the friend group. And I was, it was great. It was one of the best things I've ever done, but it very much felt like who's going to protect me now? Like there is a safety that comes in that group of like, they're going to, they're going to have your back. If you follow the rules, if you don't follow the rules, then you're, then you're outcast. So I think that a lot of us women have that wound of who's going to protect me if I don't fit in. Yes. I'm so from your perspective, I'm wondering what reason like, so being the black sheep and like, that's a flavor I absolutely understand. Cause I am also a black sheep. Um, what, what reasoning do you think they had for like not receiving that or like ignoring it or like not tending to it? Do you think on some level, I'm wondering where that comes from. Like, I wonder if on some level it's like, uh, Oh, this person's making me look deeper and I don't like that. Or like, Oh, this person is like, weird by my definition of weird or like, like what, what? Well, I, I, I do take a lot of ownership for this because they all, not all, but a lot of them work in the medical field without Mm -hmm. getting too specific. They work in that general field or healthcare. And my assertion was that not all, uh, not all healthcare heals basically that was my assertion, like not all healthcare heals. And they were, there were women in the group who were very hurt by that. And the, the main lady, I'm just going to keep calling her the main lady, the main lady. Um, she received some complaints about me apparently. And then she, uh, told her husband to talk to my husband to tell me to stop it. And that's how it all began. I'm not even making this up. That is the most dramatic thing I've ever heard. And that's when I really, that's when the light bulb really went on for me that this is a major click that like I was being policed, that they didn't have the personal power and the confidence 
and basically, quite frankly, the balls to just tell me directly. They had to, they had to go behind my back to the, the, the main lady. And then the main lady's husband had to talk to my husband because none of them had the personal power to be able to have a, have an honest conversation. And that's sad, but it's also their own growth. Maybe now, maybe now they have all grown. Let's hope that they've all grown and that now they're able to speak their truth. But the reason that I have compassion for them, because the reason that they weren't able to do that with me was because they had never been modeled. It had never been modeled for them. Like their own safety was living inside of people pleasing. So I can't say anything to, uh, to other women, because if I do, then I'm going to get kicked out of the group. You know, like, what if they said something to me directly? And I was like, no, you're the problem. You're out. I'm voting you off the island. Like I didn't have many, I didn't have much of a vote back then, but you know. Yeah. I, that's probably right. Just lack of awareness on how to do that. And like, sometimes I know you and I, we talk a lot and I know that we're both so deep in this work and have been for years that sometimes I know for me, I forget that like not everyone does this, you know? And I'm like, Oh, right. Some people don't practice like honest and nonviolent communication or like strive toward authenticity or know what authenticity feels like. Like, you know, sometimes I, I genuinely am like, Oh, right. That's not how everybody is, you know? Um, so that, and that's so true. And like, that's where in friendship, that's where it's nice to have these tools and be able to model them for other people, whether they know it or not, like whether they realize that you're modeling it, you know, because that's, it's learned behavior. So I'm glad that we both have the tools and can now like going forward, create a safe space for other people that we engage with, whether they realize it or not. I hope it feels on some level, just nourishing and supportive. And they're like, holy crap, I'm, my truth is accepted here because that's so healing. Right. It really is. You can be both a, uh, a vocal participant in your friendships and also be the one who is not judging. Like, I think we have two responsibilities in friendship. We have the responsibility of speaking our truth, not withholding our truth. And we have the responsibility of honoring and being non-judgmental of other people's truth. And when we have both of those pieces of the puzzle, then we can have a really good friendship. We can't, we can't make the other person open up to us, but the more and I think I just talked about this on one of the recent, one of our recent episodes, when you have an inner judgment of the person you're talking to, you're transmitting that whether you say anything or not, you're not making it safe for them to be them. But when you deal with all that and you deal with your beliefs and you, um, your, your criticism and you kind of, you, you look for compassion instead then you can actually help somebody else feel safe with you. And that's when transformation happens because my friendships over the years, like over the last eight years have steadily, not rapidly, but steadily and consistently grown deeper and deeper through my practice of acceptance. And I, I mean, I've already shared in this episode how extremely not accepting I was but I've learned through that trial and error, like cutting people out because of my own um, inability to actually receive until the 11th hour. And then I finally ask for something and it doesn't, doesn't happen. And then I just cut somebody off. Um, that is 
never going to meet my needs. So I have, you know, you have to find another way. Um, so yeah, so the shift for me was really learning to accept other people for where they're at and know that they're not going to see the world the same way that I do. And that's a good thing. Yes. Thank God for other perspectives, because even sometimes when I'm, sometimes I feel a little far removed from certain things. And sometimes I need the reminder that like, uh, this is actually still like a problem for some people or that, you know, some people still feel this way. So just because you don't think that does, you know, it's good to have the other perspectives because otherwise like you're in a bubble. Yeah. and, you know, one piece on, on your whole, the cult you escaped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to get some like hate mail from, from these girls. I mean, this was a, it was a large group of women. So I'm like, oh, please don't send me hate mail. Oh, we can, we can turn it into like a cute little scrapbook page. We can cut out words to write like love letters from the hate mail. Okay. That's good. Like a, that's like good. a ransom note. Yeah. Okay. It'll be like, <laughs> good. we can make it work. <laughs> Uh, that's going to be one of our workshops, making art out of hate mail. <laughs> oh, I've got some. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, we could print off like Instagram responses. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, what I was going to say was from a big piece that clicked for me too with Alison Armstrong um, was when the whole around like evolutionarily, if that's a word, um, back in the day when, you know, for women gatherers, physical bodied women were that you had to like have a man otherwise you were dead like you know you needed that protection from a male caveman otherwise it was like I cannot survive on my own I can only gather berries and when winter comes I'm screwed like I cannot get that elk and I need that coat like you know so we we really needed men so that did create this competition among women. It's like, Oh, Susan doesn't get married soon. She's going to die this winter. You know, it's like, you know, you're competing with each other to like get the mate. Yeah, um, so recognizing that competition, like ingrained is big for me. So it's one thing to say like, Oh, that's an excuse. Women just don't like me because they're afraid of competition. It's another thing to know that that's where the brain might be geared towards on a subconscious level and choose a new thought pattern and choose to look differently. And hearing, hearing that was big for me because I've been one of those women whose story was like, women just don't like me. They're intimidated by me. And like, I would have died on that Hill and I was okay with it. But then hearing that and like shifting my perspective to like, sometimes they just like, they might act in a certain way towards me and they don't mean to, and like vice versa and choosing to like, like whatever, I'm going to like, love you regardless. Like for me, I would, there was definitely some bias around when I felt a woman was like more attractive than I was because I'm like, no, I, she's probably a bitch. Like, you know, just going into like stories about why this is bad. And then I'm like, oh my God, I was like shocked that I actually thought that because it was just not on my awareness. It was just like this thought pattern that had its own life. So recognizing that and like, And then, you know, making sure I'm like, no way, everybody's the same, treating everybody the exact same, same level of compassion, same level of kindness, same level of openness and seeing where it goes. And that was a, that was a big uh, sisterhood wound, I think that I participated in. I can understand that. Like the fear of, are there, is there enough for me? Like, is somebody else going to take away what I have because they're more attractive or more whatever. Um, 
Yeah, that's definitely a deep part of this, like the jealousy that comes along with friendship, because sometimes your friends are going to have more, more than you, like more of what you want than you. And can we still celebrate them? Like, even when our lives are not exactly where we want to be, and maybe we're not in our, we haven't found our purpose or our relationship. And like, you have this deep yearning for that. And then you meet a a woman who has all of that. It is, it is nor I think it's normal. Like, I think we should normalize jealousy. We think jealousy is this horrible, terrible thing. And it's like wrong if you ever feel it. But I think it's one of those things, just like any other emotion that it's, it's ours to carry and ours to like work with and, and move out. So it doesn't get stuck, but it doesn't make us a bad person for feeling it. Yes. And you know, there's, there's a high and low expression to everything. And I think on the high side of jealousy, like the opposing side is inspiration. Like you can choose to be like, like, you know, why does she get that? Or like, of course it's easy for her, like whatever story we say, but we can also take that into inspiration of like, oh my gosh, if that's possible for her, it's possible for me. Or like, I'm so happy that she got here. I bet it wasn't always easy or, you know, man, her strength to go through with that, like with you having your business be like, successful and like being able to sustain yourself off that. Like I, as someone who like is building to do that too, I could take the opportunity of like, well, she has more experience than me. And like, I could easily tell those stories, but like, I'm always like, oh my gosh, she's so inspiring. Like she's taking the next step. Like, I know that I'll be able to do that. And like, I see you as more of like a way paper and like an inspiration for me than someone I have to like silently try and destroy or something weird. (laughs) Like, are you, is that really what's going on here, Caitlin? Are you secretly trying to, you're plotting my, uh, my takedown? Yeah. Sabotaging. <laughs> Sweet. It's going to be it's so epic. It's a long game. Yeah. I'm really committed to this. <laughs> like a very cartoon villainy type of thing. I love yeah, it. Right? That was, I had this friend in El Paso and who I love. Um, and she had like this just, I remember the first time, um, I went over there and it was for like a holiday, like labor day or something. And I went in like my normal, like, you know, hippie clothes, um, like very flowy and casual and like light. And everybody was like dressed up. Like it was like Easter Sunday or something. And I was like, this is weird. (laughs) I just felt so out of place, but like her home is like so beautiful and they decorate for every season. And she's got like the two kids and the husband. And like, I was just like, and this is when I realized like I had shifted, um, because I was like, I hope I have some expression of this one day. Like, this is so cool. Like, you know, some, a version that's authentic to me, you know, but still like, it was very aspirational. And I was like, this is so cool. Like that, you know, she has this, I'm like, I can't wait for my version of this. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you're not trying to model it exactly cookie cutter like that, but you're like, this, this could be a a flavor that I could make my own. Yes, absolutely. And like, at some point, like, cause my first thought when I walked in was like, oh my God, I'm underdressed or like, I didn't realize like, I'm not fancy, like, you know, whatever it was, but then I, I was able to like immediately like shift and I love her expression of this and like, I'm, it makes me excited for my own. Mm, That's awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about this weekend. So we spent the weekend in a cabin in the woods and it was awesome. And we, uh, decided to let the weekend just flow on its own and not put a ton of masculine structure around it, even though I 
I think I was the one that was like, let's, I, I was the one who created the the note, like the document where we struck, like outlined the, um, the directions there and the travel and like the, you know, a little bit of a plan. So I did put some, some masculine around it, but we didn't go so far as to make an agenda of like, this is what we're going to do and when exactly. And we knew we wanted to have a little bit of a ceremony because Caitlin and I are all about ceremony and the power of intention um, to open ourselves more to release the past. So our intention was to have a sort of a sisterhood flavored ceremony this weekend. And we did, we ended up having, I would say it was like the whole weekend was kind of the ceremony where we um, honored what we were doing together and we honored what we were letting go of in terms of our, our relationship patterns um, and our old friendship patterns. And I mean, without getting into all the, we've already gone on in this podcast, we're getting a little late in the podcast, so I won't go too deep into the specifics of what we did, but I believe that um, the, the weekend was for me very heart opening in that you witnessed patterns in me lovingly you you I wouldn't say you called me out but you simply acknowledged and asked me good questions and said oh that's really interesting like in person you're much more witchy and more spiritual than I ever realized because you don't share these parts of yourself on Instagram or online and isn't that interesting and then I had an opportunity to go oh yeah, that is interesting. Why don't I share those parts of myself? And you were just there to support me, encourage me and ask me that question. Yeah. The power of like reflection because, and I was surprised because even, you know, again, we talk, we talk like basically daily, um, via text or voice message at least. And so even through that, it, you're like witchy spiritual side still like wasn't present. So I was, I was surprised to like, see that be a stronger theme for you. And that's where I think like I, the term calling out is, is good, but it sounds harsh. So I like how you worded that instead, but it was just like an invitation of, of like how I'm witnessing you now, you know? Um, but yeah, it was interesting. I was like, there's this whole part of you. That's like, you're hiding, like bring it out. And yeah. yeah the Cause invitation. I brought my, I brought my Oracle cards and I brought my pendulum and like my sage and my crystals and and you were like, I knew you would love all of it, but it didn't even occur to me that you haven't seen that side of me. I was like, I, I don't keep, I don't hide anything at least consciously from you or even the internet. Like I try to share everything, but that's, that's where it's, that's, that's where sisterhood is so important because you don't see what you don't see. And here I am over here thinking I'm sharing all parts of me thinking I'm really integrated. And then Caitlin points something out and she goes, Oh, that's, that's interesting. I don't know. I didn't know this about you. And I go, Oh, wow. Why don't I share that? And then I have an opportunity to really look at why I don't share that. And I came to some, some deeper understandings about why, and like my, my wounds and my fears on, can I be both um, the, the competent kind of like, logical, rational trauma healer who uses nervous system principles and and science and like, who's very studied and also use 
like muscle testing and tapping into your higher self and Oracle cards, like, can I blend them both? And do I have to explain that to anybody? No, I don't. But I, I had this fear, like people will get the wrong impression about me. They won't think I'm serious. They won't think I'm competent. They won't think I'm, I have a leg to stand on. They'll think I just channeled all of this. And I had to really sit with that and and say, you know what? It's okay. If, if that's what they think, then that's what they think. And the right people will resonate with me. And then the ones that don't, um, I'm not for them. Yeah. I just think that that layer to you is what makes you like even more like interesting because it's like, you know, she does all this, like, you know, serious work, like it's going through trauma and like nervous. And that's like, it's, physically and emotionally, like that's a lot of work. And then you are also, you know, you have this like intertwined ribbon of like love and light and like glitter that you like, you bring that softness to it too. So it is like this like special formula of Evelyn healing that you have that incorporates all those parts. And then like, that's what makes you so special and so powerful. I'm going to cry again. (laughs) Caitlin made me cry this weekend because she helped me see that yeah, that there's a lot going on that I don't really even honor and acknowledge in myself. And that's why sisterhood is so, so special. And when you really let yourself be seen, which I believe it is a letting, like you have to choose, you have to choose to let yourself be seen because as much as people, they, they will naturally see you there, you're going to keep some parts of yourself so hidden and so protected that if you feel seen, you're going to lash out and like push those people away. So when you let people see you, you can actually receive the, their true intention, which is to love you for not every single person is going to have that intention, but in sisterhood, you know, the intention is to love you. Yes. And I, I do think that's what it comes down to is to like, let someone else lovingly see you and reflect back to you. And I did have a similar experience from the weekend. I'm going to try and articulate this well, because I've been a little rambly today, but well, one of the first, things you said to me was something to the extent of like, oh, this is like, this is how you are. Like you are this light and like this. <laughs> oh my God. Like, <laughs> can, I, yes. can I say it? So Caitlin, I know Caitlin to be a woman who creates recipes that are like just so otherworldly, like I don't even know. Like she comes up with these recipes that are dairy free and gluten free and grain free. And yet somehow look so delicious. Like they look so nourishing and supportive. And like, she makes like scones with blueberry compote and like lavender infused aphrodisiac popsicles. And like just these incredible creations of, of love. But I, and I, I didn't consciously think that she was full of shit, but when I met you in person and you literally eat that way and, and like wake up in the morning and you like wake up in the morning and you have like your, uh, what do you have first thing? Matcha? Uh, mud water. <laughs> oh yeah. You have your mud water. And then afterwards, and then you do like your, your meditation and your asanas and your prayers. And then you have like a, a cup of broth, and then you have your um, rosemary infused soup. And then you have all these, like you're living, you're living what you actually are. And I think so many people put the image out there of like healthy living and, and being light and all that, but you actually 
are like you vibrate at the frequency with which you put yourself out there. So that was mind blowing to me. And that was so, and that was really eye opening to me because I was, and I don't even think to be honest. And we talked about this, that I share to the extent of like, if anything, sometimes I, now I feel like I almost shortchange that light. Like when I, what I share, because I'm like, I don't know, I'm sure there's like some more underlying things I have to look at there, but I don't know. I just, I was so surprised that that was your reflection because I'm like, oh yeah, that is me. And that's where, and then when we were talking on our hike, um, we were talking about this a little bit too, that like, this is just how I am. And there was a certain part of me that was like, is this because it's like, you know, light and bubbly. I'm like, is this like an immature expression? Am I just like not a grown up yet? And like, you know, I have all these, like, am I stuck in maiden energy and like all these judgments about it. And like, you know, maybe that is the answer. Maybe when I hit like 40 or 50, I'm going to just completely shift or who knows, but at least as for right now, this is the most genuine expression of me. And as of today, this is the energy I've chosen to come here and embody and to just own that rather than, I don't, we talked about like, you know, I, I do a lot of shadow work. I do a lot of inner work. I do a lot of self-reflection. Um, but I don't really talk about that stuff. And the, when I do talk about it, I feel like I'm talking about it to make sure people know I do the work. I don't, it doesn't feel like natural or relevant. Sometimes I do it as a way to like prove myself. But then I had the realization that like, that's not one. I don't get lit up talking about that. I don't get lit up doing it. And that's not the most expression, authentic expression of me right now. And my magic isn't in there. Your magic is in like, you're, you're so good at like witnessing the patterns and the trauma and the nervous system and the inner child that needs attention. And like your magic is so deep in there. And that's just not where mine is. And rather like it really highlighted for me to just really own this like light side that even though, you know, I have shadow around people not taking it seriously or thinking I've owned the, like earned this, you know? Yes. Yes. I, I love that. The way you explained that seems so accurate and it was healing to me to see the authenticity of that energy for you. Like the authenticity of the lightness, because I don't know that I've ever been friends with somebody who's as like light and airy as you. And so my, my assumption was my bias was that anybody who's light and airy is also in, in, uh, has, has a lack of substance. They mm-hmm. have a lack of, um, ability to witness, but in fact, you have a very strong and deep ability to witness and a very authentic groundedness to you, but you're, you're not, um, you're like a tree. That's very tall. You're like, you're like a really, really tall tree and you just live up in the branches, but trees can't become that tall unless they have very deep roots, right? Like you're not a bird. I mean, you may have some, some Eagle tendencies or some, you know, you, you have like definitely some angelic like tendencies, but I think the tree metaphor is better because you trees can't grow to be very tall and majestic unless they have deep roots. And instead of occupying the roots you like to occupy the 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 leaves and the sun and kind of that area and you provide nourishment actually through what you're growing 
I love that reflection. And I didn't, I was unable to see that when you're too close to yourself and it's hard to give an accurate reflection of yourself because you're with you every day, you know, like some people don't appreciate like their ability to make something really well because they're like, oh, well, it's just so easy. Like I'm sure everyone can do this. Like it's no big deal. So that's where the like mirror that you get from like a, an open-hearted friend is like so healing because I, I'm still trying to put into words everything that that like switched in me because it's, it's definitely a lot, but yeah, that was a, that was a big realization for me. Mm, I'm so glad. It's so beautiful. So I think that that wraps up what we wanted to talk about in terms of the sisterhood wound. And I think my invitation to the listeners would be to look around you and really look at the women around you and see, is there a potential there? Like don't write off anybody because you think they wouldn't like you or like they're, they're too different from you or they're this or they're that. Like actually look again, like look again with a different perspective and see, and see if you can start to open and go first and like invite them to a paint night or to go for a walk or, um, you know, send them something that you're interested in and see if they're interested in it and strike up a conversation. Because if you don't go first, you're going to be stuck feeling like the black sheep and feeling alone. And it's on you to, to shift out of that. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And, you know, take, take baby steps, just like a relationship, you know, you're not going to go on a first date and get married next week, you know? So let, let things unfold naturally because it's also like your nervous system is being prepped when you slowly do it. Cause then you can slowly handle more of your own truth sharing and more of their truth receiving. So you owe it to your nervous system and theirs to take it slow, especially if you're coming from like a wounded or just any type of storied background, because gosh, if we started off where we are today, like that would have just blown, like we just, it was not sustainable. I would be like, well, I've shared too much. I'm going to go throw my phone into a ravine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other thing about that is like, I don't, I don't know that I like really, really liked you at the, at the beginning. It's not that I didn't like you, but I was very like unsure. I wasn't like sold on you and, and probably vice versa. And it took that, like that interest in just like kind of checking in and being around each other and like, and knowing that, okay, there's something here um, to let that evolve. So you might have a person in your life who right now is just not like, like, again, clicking with you. Um, But just hold the frequency of like, maybe this, maybe I am meant to walk a path with this person and see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. And like the other gift that I think came from like social media meeting is we didn't have any expectations of each other. There was no, like, I wasn't expecting you to like be my best friend and like putting that pressure on you, like subconsciously to myself, you know? So that was what really set the ground or foundation for me to just like begin to love you unconditionally because I had no expectations of you. And it was just like, I was just like, Oh, I'm getting to know this person. And then it just evolved naturally. I love you. I love you too. Okay. Well with that listeners, we hope you find sisterhood around you and we're sending you so much love until next time. 
Absolutely. And if you're looking and don't know where to start like-minded places, we do have our Facebook group. So come join. This is the, this is the space for it. It's safe. You know, it's private. You have to ask to join. So there's some level of making sure people are in there with the right intentions and it's a safe space. And this is where we practice. And, you know, we, I, we're, doing more and more like asking interactive questions because like we want to witness you too. And there are people here ready to witness you. So come on to our Facebook group. Come on in to our coven. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Insatiable Woman podcast. I hope that it was helpful for you in thinking about your own sisterhood wounds so that you can begin healing. And if you got any value out of this episode, we would love it if you left us a review on apple podcasts this really helps listeners find the show and it will also enter you to win a free relationship coaching session with caitlin and i all you have to do to enter is send a screenshot of your review to us on instagram you can just dm us the screenshot and we'll enter you to win one of our monthly free relationship coaching sessions can't wait to talk to you next time until then take good care